0: Thank you. It's certainly been a privilege to be with you, to be in the services that have come before, to have the time of visitation and fellowship. Uh, Leading up to this meeting, Brother Chris and I started talking about it several months ago. And leading up to this meeting, we tried to be prayerful that if we were able to attend, uh, that we might be as the Canaanite woman and be satisfied to ask and receive A few crumbs from the master's table. But I feel as though this weekend up to this point we've been as Mephibosheth and we've been able to pull up to the king's table and been able to feast from the king's table. And I'm thankful for that and I trust that you continue to be prayerful for us for the time that we stand before you. I trust that the things that are upon our mind would be of edification and uplifting to you that they would be honoring and glorifying unto our Lord. I'll try to be mindful of the time. I know that there are three of us to come tonight. Uh, I know that it is the evening service and you're tired. And on top of that, I'm being followed by two Montgomery's. So I'll try to be (laughs) mindful of the time. I do ask, though, that you be prayerful for us for the time that we stand before you. I trust that what's on our mind is of the leadership of the Lord. I come to you this evening asking you one simple question, one that you must answer on your own, one that needs to be answered at this moment, but will need to be answered many times in your future. I ask you the one simple question this evening. Are you addicted to hope? Are you addicted to hope? That word addiction is an interesting word. There's so many things in our society, unfortunately, that people become addicted to. I'm an educator and I work at a school housed within a residential living facility. We take in uh, boys, and primarily boys, but uh, some girls now from all over the country. We take them in all the way from New York City to to Los Angeles, uh, all over the state of Texas, from Florida to Washington State, uh, and take them and put them out in the middle of the country, uh, 45 miles outside of Amarillo, Texas. For those kids coming from Brooklyn, that's quite a shock. Uh, But most of those kids are there because their parents had an addiction. Most of them are not there because the kids are bad. Most of them are there because the parents were bad. There's all kinds of things that are ruining our society that we become addicted to. But we've become to the point that we have a denotation for addiction, that it's just a negative thing, that you only get addicted to bad things. But I'm sure here in the warmer weather, and I know it's even true in Amarillo, people get addicted to really good things. They get addicted to exercise, sometimes to their detriment, but they get addicted to exercise. I believe people get addicted to the idea of losing weight. I think that's really what causes people to go on diets and off diets is that it's such a reward when you lose the weight that you want to go through the process again. I think that's a better reason anyway. (laughs) There are things that are positive that we get addicted to. But so often those things that should be the most important, those things that we've heard already this weekend about reading your Bible and meditating, those things that are positive, truly positive things in our life. How often can we actually say that we're addicted to those an addiction is something that and, uh, brings forth a chemical response that almost forces you to have more of that. So this evening, do you have such a need for hope in your life that you can say that you are truly addicted to hope? Can you say in those trying times That you're in such a need that you have to have hope in your life. If the Lord should bless us this evening, I want to look at three examples that give us hope. Three examples of men who relied upon hope, but got their hope in three very different and distinct ways one looking to his past, one looking to the future. And one I trust looking right beside him. I trust that you'll continue to pray for us for the time that we stand before you. If you have your Bibles, if you're following along, taking notes, I would direct your attention to the book of 1 Samuel in the 30th chapter. And we'll not do a lot of reading. As I tell my congregation at home, that's your homework. You can go and read it on your own. Uh, You don't need me to stand here and read it to you. But here in the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel, we find David. David and his army are returning back to their camp. David has engaged in trying to fight on the wrong side of a battle. And David and his army come back to Ziklag. And when they come back, they find a devastating scene. David and his army return to their camp, and they find that the camp has been burned. And they find that the women and children, though none have been slain, all of them have been taken captive by the enemy. We've heard mention, and we'll try to remember them in prayer, we've heard mention of the family that lost their, their little baby. I have a four-year-old son. I was telling uh, the folks around the as we were eating snacks around the table last night about my son. He, my son, my four-year-old son. His name is Jude. He's had many health problems. He has epilepsy and some other health problems. Whenever he was uh, less than two years old, we believe that he had histiocytosis. Uh, it's a cousin of cancer, uh, although it's more, uh, most of the time it's more fatal than cancer. And I can tell you in those moments that we thought, that we thought we, uh, he had histiocytosis, I say we thought he did. The, the leading world expert uh, on histiocytosis said that if he's ever seen a case of histiocytosis, my son had one. But whenever he did the biopsy, it didn't prove it. The, the leading world medical expert said, if I've ever seen a miracle, your son is it. But I can tell you in those instances, in that time period where we were certain that he had histiocytosis, the fear of losing my son, though it still is there today, was tremendous in that time. But I cannot imagine how bad it would be, brother Mike, to not know where your son was at. I knew that if I lost Jude, I knew exactly I trusted in the Lord for exactly where he was going to be. David didn't know, and those that were in his army didn't know where they were at. Much worse case. David and his army at this point in time had a choice. You see, we're all going to go through valleys. We're all going to have those times of woe. We're all going to lose loved ones. We're all going to have financial stresses and times that we struggle with our jobs. But the determining factor is we get to decide how large that valley is going to be. You're going to go through that valley, but do you want to be there for a long time? Or do you want to spend most of your time climbing The next mountain. We're all going to have woe. But it's a matter of do you want to be addicted to hope? Or do you want to choose despondency? You see that's something that we choose. Sadness, disappointment is something that happens to us all. But we choose whether or not we want to be despondent. For misery loves company. There's no truer saying that's ever come around than misery loves company. David here had a choice. Did he want to be despondent like some of his army was going to be? Or did he want to be addicted to hope? When you go and you read this account in the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel, you'll find that David chose to be addicted to hope. He commanded those around him to go and get the ephod that he might go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord, how am I to handle this? Am I to pursue that army or am I to stay here and take another course? See, David gives us a great example. If you want to be addicted to hope, when you face woe, hit your knees and turn to the Lord. It's hard to be addicted to hope if you're relying on yourself. But see, David had a reason for doing that. David had the past experiences of his life. David knew what it was to rely upon the Lord and be victorious. David could say, I can look back to my past experiences and have a trust that if I look to you, Better things are yet to come. David turned and looked at those past experiences. The other thing that we should do that we learn from David. If you're facing a time of trial and tribulation. If you're facing a time of sadness or of worry. Spend a few moments looking at the past salvation of the Lord. For we become addicted to hope by seeing where our hope was past fulfilled. David had a hope. David was addicted to hope. It says that David, though, when he began to pursue that army, had to leave 200 behind. The scriptures say that they were too weary to travel on. I believe the truth of the matter was that they had chosen To be despondent. It's hard to travel on when you're despondent. David was looking to the victory that the Lord would provide. And David pursued that army and overtook them and was victorious. The last lesson that we learn from David in this though is as he comes back to the camp. With the soldiers that were traveling with him. He brings the spoils back. And the other soldiers say don't give those 200. That were not traveling with us. Don't give them any of the spoils. We did the battle not them. David says they'll share in the spoils just as well. Because the victory was not ours. But the Lord's. If you want to be addicted to hope know that the victory is not yours. If you're reliant on yourself, then when you have to look back at those past experiences, you'll find failure in yourself. Next, we come to another example. We come to the book of Joshua and the first chapter of the book of Joshua. And here recorded for us in the first chapter of the book of Joshua And the fifth verse we read there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I believe we have that same thing given unto us. I'll not leave thee, nor forsake thee. See, I find Joshua here in the fifth chapter, the sixth chapter, excuse me. In the first verse, I find Joshua and his army have come upon the town of Jericho. Jericho, a mighty town. It says that when the army approached because of their past defeats, the town of Jericho began to seal itself up. They wouldn't let anybody come in or go out. Obviously, the town of Jericho was extremely affrighted of this army that Joshua was leading. Joshua goes before the Lord. And remember that these are people just the same as you and I. Pardon my sweating. It was snowing in Amarillo when I left. <laughs> these were people just the same as you and I. Joshua goes before the Lord and he says, Lord, how is it that we're to conquer This city. Now I want you to think about just how ridiculous it must have looked to the people in Jericho. The Lord says, I want you to go for six days and I want you to line up and I want you to march around the city. Can you imagine those people in Jericho saying, we were afraid of that army. What are they doing out there? That's the third day they've walked around this town. That must have seemed like a very odd thing for them to be doing. Here they come on the sixth day and they do it many times. And those people must have been going, they've lost their mind. Joshua and the army must have had similar thoughts. Lord, you've given us all these mighty victories and now you want us to walk around the town? That seems like a mighty odd thing to do. But Joshua was addicted to hope. Why? Because he was looking to the future. He was looking to the future because the Lord had said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. I can look to the future. I can have hope for what's yet to come. Of course, we know what ends up happening there, but if there's any that are holding on to the images from the fables and the fairy tales, don't think about those walls as crumbling at Jericho. The scriptures never say that they crumbled. It says that they fell, fell over in their entirety, and the soldiers marched in. Joshua was addicted to hope, because he was looking to the future. I ask you this evening, dear child of grace, are you addicted to hope? Not because of where you are today but where you know you'll be tomorrow? Do you know that the Lord will be beside you every moment along the way? And that allows you to not choose to be despondent, but rather choose to be addicted to hope. Have you looked at your past and seen the mercies of the Lord? And have you looked to the future and known that he'll be beside you in days to come? Finally, I come to one last example. I come to the book of Luke. And I find our Lord upon the cross. I find him placed there beside those two thieves, those two malefactors. I find him having been ridiculed, having been scoffed at, having been tortured for a day uh, for a period of time there throughout the day. And I find these two malefactors. I find one who joins in in all the ridicule. Turn here to the 23rd chapter of the book of Luke and the 39th verse. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. This one here on this side has chosen to be despondent. What a reason to be despondent. You're hanging upon a cross. If there's ever been a time to be despondent, that's probably the time. In fact, if you're ever worried about being guilty, if you find yourself in that situation, it's okay. You can be despondent. (laughs) This one had a reason to be despondent. And he was exercising it by railing against the Lord. But I find that there was another one in the 40th verse. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss." This one's chosen a different attitude. This one says, despite where I am, I'm going to choose not to be despondent. Despite where I am, I'm going to choose a better outlook. Despite where I am, I'm going to choose to be addicted to hope. The forty-second verse, and he said, "and he, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when Thou comest into Thy kingdom." That's a prayer you and I can say when we need to be addicted to hope. Lord, remember me. Lord, say. Lord, help. But you see, I find this one. He was addicted to hope, not because he could look at his past. He wasn't like David. He had nothing in his past in his service to the Lord. What was he going to look at? I find him and he's not going to look to the future. There's not much left of his future. But he's got something far greater than that. Because I find this one and he can be addicted to hope, not because he's looking back, not because he's looking forward, but because he's looking right beside him. Dear child of grace, can you be addicted to hope because you're looking right beside you? Can you look at that one who's walking with you? Can you see that one who's traveling the path with you? Can you feel the comforter as he's on your journey? Can you be as that poem said in which he only saw one set of footprints? And the Lord said, you're only seeing mine. Can you look to the past? Can you look to the future? But most importantly, can you look right beside you to see your Savior? Are you addicted to hope? I thank you for your kind attention.